You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, the top of the hour, um, Big Show Plus with Patrick Dumas and Alex Brody, I guess the working title. You guys are going to replay the Lanny interview, right? Oh, yeah, Lanny will get played at 9.30, yes. Okay, in case you miss Lanny McDonald, a fun chat with the Flames, absolute legend, uh, pretty much the mayor of this city. Uh, We'll replay that during uh, Big Show Plus. And the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, going to join us at 8.30 as well. But right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, sports like columnist, scout, we say good morning to Jason Bukala. Jason, how are you? Good morning, fellas. I'm doing fantastic. And if you had Lanny on earlier, I'm going to rewind and listen to that myself. That's, uh, he's one of the most positive people you can ever listen to. It's great. Yeah, he was uh, fantastic. We were talking about Al McKinnis's shot. And for people Dude. who don't remember, like how crazy was it, Jason, that that guy shot the puck that hard with a wooden stick? Think about that, right? Like with the flex in today's stick, you yeah. can only imagine, like he'd be like Zidane or Zidane Charish in the All Star game uh, with that type of heat <laughs> today with ease. I mean, he just ripped us. Yeah, he... those poor goalies back then didn't have the type of protection they have today either. So <laughs> they were ducking for cover. Well, I, I remember. I don't know if you remember this when uh, he took a shot and it split Chris Osgood's blocker in half and then broke his hand underneath it. Like what an absolute <laughs> rocket! I don't remember that. That's an awesome story. Though. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Not good for Chris Osgood. How do you I mean, get back in the net after that? Yeah, like, or, like, or face <laughs> that guy. Like, yeah, no chance. But, yeah, he no broke coach, my blocker. Yeah. Uh, this is a backup night. Yeah. yeah. No thanks. <laughs> I don't want any part of that uh, when Al McKinnis ripping the puck. Uh, Jason, I wanted to ask you, uh, a lot of people in this city are pining for Jacob Pelche to make his NHL debut. Uh, we don't know if it'll be tomorrow. It absolutely could be. But obviously uh, not viewed as a savior, but maybe give the guy a look. Uh, he's torn it up in the American Hockey League. What are your views on Jacob Peltier, and maybe what's the ceiling potentially? Well, I think it's time for the Flames to give him a, 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 an opportunity here, first of all. Um, the thing I like about Jacob Peltier is that you're not only getting offense from the player, you're also getting some tenacity. Like, he's got a little bit of rat to him. Like, he gets involved. He's not a... He's not a pushover by any stretch. So where I can see that maybe uh, the coach there was a little bit more reluctant on the Matt Phillips type of a scenario for whatever reasons, like we could debate that um, with Pelche. Um, don't be worried about that part of it. I, I think that the flames are desperate for some sort of a spark, some sort of an identity um, uplift, if you will. And and this might be the type of guy that can uh, give them a little bit of energy and uh, create a distraction for an opponent, which is which would be positive. So I think he deserves a chance. I really like the player. Um, how how tough do you think it is for prospects within this organization playing for the Wranglers in the American Hockey League that uh, the head coach of the big club generally doesn't like to play young players, uh, generally doesn't like to give them that much of a look here. How frustrating could that potentially be for guys who are really grinding in the American Hockey League and succeeding? Well, I'm sure it's a conversation that's going on behind closed doors with upper management and the coaching staff, first of all. Um, the, the other thing that I think that I've taken notice of, it, it could be a double-edged sword for the prospect pool because 
right now with the move of the Wranglers and they're playing right there in Calgary, now they're in front of the coaching staff uh, more often and the coaching staff, uh, they're going to create sort of a, a bias or uh, or maybe a non-bias type of an approach depending on who the prospect is. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this works out long-term with that type of uh, interaction because now the NHL team and their coaching staff have their fingers on the prospects more often than they did in the past. So um, it, it could work against them at times. I hope it doesn't. And, I, you know, I hope that a kid like this gets a chance sooner than later. But, like, Pelche's got middle six at worst upside, guys. Mm. He, can, he can slide into your second line and, and do some things. You know, like, it's, he, needs, he needs an opportunity. And, and there's going to be some other guys uh, sooner than later that are going to uh, require the same. Now, there's other guys that you look at and you say, ah, if they call him up, he's probably not suited to a fourth-line role. But given what you said about Pelche, that he can, he's can got a little offense, but he's also got maybe a little bit of rat to his game, could you see this guy maybe starting on the fourth line like the Flames did with Andrew Mangiapane when he was coming into the NHL from the AHL? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's um, that's a good comparable, really. Um, this kid's got a little bit more... Uh, savvy coming into the NHL than even Mangiapane did at that time. Um, but when you look up and down the Flames' top six, you know, they're getting some they're getting some pedestrian play out of some guys. Like, some guys just flat out need to be better. And maybe a guy like Naz or, um, you know, he's the guy that jumps out at me a little bit. You know, his, his point per game, you know, he's at 35 points in 46 games. QB's way down uh, at 31 and 43. Maybe they can spread out the, the lineup. Pelche pigeonholed in the fourth goal. He can give you the minutes with the energy, but you know I think everybody would agree it would be nice to get another layer of scoring going for Calgary, and, and hopefully he can do that. You spent the majority of a decade in the same organization as Jonathan Huberdeau. You, you mentioned it has been a, maybe a disappointing year as far as the numbers have gone as we're 46 games into the season. Is there a reason, a reason or two, or some things that you might be seeing in his game that you say this could be part of the reason that the numbers aren't there? He can be way more of a play driver. I mean, he's got to stop distributing the puck. You know, if you look at his shots on goal compared to some of the other guys in the top six, I mean, he's got 67 shots on goal, guys. Like, that's less than two shots a game. And for a guy who's got the puck on his stick as much as he does over a 60-minute period of time, Mm. he's got to get more pucks to the net. He's got to get more selfish. And, you know, when you start to get pucks to the net, uh, your wingers or your centermen, whoever, if they know the puck is going to the net more often than it has been, then they're going to crash and bang and look for pucks around the crease, and you're going to get some dirty goals and – you know, sometimes a rebound is as good as a pass. And Huberto has an understated release. Like, this guy can shoot the puck. He just has to get into the mindset to get it done. And um, I'm frustrated by it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, he's got to be better, and he's got to start to get pucks to the net uh, more often. And and uh, and they got to make plays around the crease because you know the coach wants that. You know that he wants that identity as a group. He doesn't want it to be, you know, road hockey. He wants it to be, uh, you know, scrums around the boards, getting pucks in the net and playing hard and, and being hard in the trenches. So um, he can be much better. Jason Bukula, Sportsnet columnist, scout, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, I know uh, Dustin Wolf's had a fantastic season again in the American Hockey League. And I don't. You can confirm or deny this too, um, Jason. 
Apparently, scouts don't even want to look at goaltenders unless they're 6'2 or 6'3. How do you think other teams view Dustin Wolf right now if the Flames potentially want to use him as a trade chip here down at the deadline? Well, you're right. The uh, The preference is to have a bigger goaltender. There's no question about that. Um, having said that, you can't ignore the fact that his numbers are, are fantastic. He's... Um, He's athletic, he's quick, he's laterally quick. So when you have a smaller goaltender, um, when you're tracking a puck as a goalie, it, imagine you're at the top of your crease and you're six foot three and you got to get to the back post. Well, you can afford laterally to take a little bit of a different route to the back post, but when you're six feet tall, you have to take it like right on a 45 degree angle um, and you have to be really quick. I have no hesitation in saying Wolf is quick enough to do all that. I think he's an NHL goalie. I think that there's guys in the league now, you know, you look at the, I know Grubauer's had an off couple of years, but um, there's guys in this league that are, are around his size and he has the ability. He's an NHL goalie. Um, if it doesn't happen in Calgary, um, it's going to happen somewhere else. And, and, you know, it's kind of, there's a log jam now, isn't there? Anyways, with Vladar's extension. So uh, we'll see how that, but, but he's an asset. So there will be interest. Jason, I'm excited about this uh, series of features that you got going on on Sportsnet.ca as we get ready for the NHL trade deadline. Scouts analysis on how the Canadian team should approach the trade deadline. First one has dropped on the Edmonton Oilers. You go over the rosters and the salaries, the prospects, the plan moving forward, all sorts of stuff. Can you maybe give us a little bit of a preview for the flame story uh, that should be coming up sooner rather than later? Well, the Flames is going to drop a week from uh, Monday. Uh, I'm just finishing up Vancouver, and that's been a challenge. I'm sure you can appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Wonder why. So the Flames, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been interesting. So, anyways, the, with the Flames, I'm looking uh, a week from uh, from Monday. I've already started the back end of it. You know, there's something that's that's interesting here, guys, that we're going to have to start to consider, and that is they only had three picks in the 2022 draft. They've got uh, five picks in the 2023 draft, which is a loaded draft class. They have deadline cap space. The Flames do. It looks like around the deadline of around $4 million. You know, I'm going to need to see some momentum between now and the trade deadline to justify moving any of those picks out because sooner than later, although they have a lot of guys on term, um, you know, you're going to need to have more prospects coming through the pipeline. Um, their, their prospects at the World Juniors, like Roney was uh, – was you know just okay and um coronado at harvard you know they have a decision coming on in, on the horizon with him too right you know you have to he's been uh, nominated as harvard's uh, uh player for the hobie baker but 20 points in 17 games isn't hobie baker like but having said that you know the longer he stays at harvard we've had this conversation before uh, the the more risk you have in terms of uh losing the prospect and I will say this too: if the if, if the if the way that the prospects are um, utilized, coming through the Wranglers and up to the Calgary Flames, guys like Matt Car- Coronado are taking notice of that, and they're in full control long term if they don't want to be a Calgary Flame because they want to see how they're going to be uh, brought along in, in the system. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts in Calgary. Um, I still and I'm, I'm more concerned now than I ever have been, and I've been a huge. Uh, supporter of everything that's been going on there for the last year but mm-hmm. with seattle seattle seven points up they got a game in hand edmonton's four points up and they're on a heater um so it's going to be an inter- interesting couple of weeks here in calgary Lynch. 
I'm I'm very intrigued by this trade deadline because I think it could be a one of the most creative that we see, or it could be one of the most quiet that we see. And there's a few things that go into that. There's some real elite players that are available for trade. So you've got high prices, but you also have high cap hits. You've got teams that are all cap strapped and you have an outstanding draft in 2023, which makes me believe that teams would be less likely to move out those picks. Do you think that we're going to see some action and teams getting creative, or could this be one of the more quiet deadlines? I actually think it's going to be uh, an active deadline. I think that uh, teams at the there's a lot of teams that are right in their window, right? So, um, you know, I would actually include Calgary in in that in that conversation in terms of uh, a team that's close to or in their window. You know, you got Edmonton in their window. Uh, Colorado, they're on, they're on the ride. Trust me, Colorado is going to be just fine by the end of the year. Um, you got Toronto, Boston. Uh, you know, I could go through a whole bunch of teams. So because there's so many teams in their kind of win mode right now, I think that you're going to see some creative moves. Third team's involved. So Anaheim's got tons of cap space. Mm-hmm. Arizona's got tons of cap space. So you're going to see high-end AAV values land with a third party. Uh, for draft capital and then end up uh, on a team uh, that's, you know, can only spend 2.5, for example. I think it's going to be active. I think it's going to be creative. One thing that I am keeping an eye on is that underbelly. And what I mean by that is these college players, the uh, the Matt Phillips of the world, um, some other, like, are these guys going to become part of those equations? So instead, if you're a third team, like Anaheim picking up salaries and stuff, are you going to be just looking for a pick in return, or do you want to give Matt Phillips a try? You know what I mean. So yeah. it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see the, some of those strategies. I'm interested. We'll move away from the Flames, and you mentioned you're working on the Vancouver Canucks story, but I, I'm just intrigued to see what your thoughts were following the Jim Rutherford press conference. What we've seen after it, all signs point to Bo Horvat headed out the doors. JT Miller was the decision they made in the offseason. What have you made of the week that was for the Vancouver Canucks? I'm not a fan of airing out, um, I guess, you know, from the media side, I get that we want honest answers and we want transparency as much as we can get a good story and, and, and you know, grasp and understanding what's going on. I just don't like on the human side, how some of those uh, scenarios have played out. And uh, as, as anybody handled their situation with more class than Bruce Boudreaux, like, let's be honest, right. like, this guy's, this guy since, well, Thanksgiving, it feels like our Thanksgiving, it feels like he's been thrown under the bus and run over 15 times. And he just, you know, he just gets out front of the media every day. And he's, you know, he's genuine in his responses. It's a tire fire there, guys. Like there are so many moving parts. Like, wow. It's, uh, I, I can't even put it into words. You're going to have to read it, but it's, it's a novel because uh, <laughs> the, the Horvat situation is unfortunate because the classiest uh, uh, Sedin like type of personality is not, is no longer going to be with the team uh, moving forward after this deadline. And I think that's very unfortunate. Uh, is, is there more of a team that's stuck in NHL purgatory more than the Vancouver Canucks, Jason? A team that's just not bad enough to bottom out and a team that's not nearly good enough to even remotely compete for the Stanley Cup? You know, do you guys play golf? Are you guys golfers? Of course. Yeah. Love it. Love okay. golf. You know, when you, you know when you go out one day and you shoot like 74 and you think you're a good golfer, mm-hmm. and then the next, next day you go out and you shoot 92 and you feel like you haven't hit a golf ball a day in your life? Yeah. That's, that's the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> they they, they, they think they're a 74, but they're probably somewhere in the middle? 
Yeah, they tease themselves into this belief that they should be better than what they are. But, you know, isn't, there's enough runway over a long period of time. Um, these blips in the radar of good play and, and trying to convince yourself that you're, you're this quality of a team, you're really not. There's enough, there's enough uh, of a runway there to suggest that you're not. I think that it starts in the dressing room. I think it's fractured. I think upper management with the coach, it's fractured. Um, and you know what? The really disconcerting thing is their prospect pool, fellas. Uh, it's, uh, I, I really have a lot of time for their scouting staff, like as people and human beings. And, and they've been told to do things over the years, you know, by a previous regime that maybe they didn't want to do. And, um, but that prospect pool, I think they're ranked. Listen, it's between 28 and 32, their prospect pool. I'll put it to you that way. It's like, it's really shadow, like at the, at the, at the park where the kids splash around in it. And it's not really a pool. It's more yeah. like a fountain. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a it's more like a puddle after a long thunderstorm. <laughs> okay, Jeez. that's not very good. Um, well, before we let you go, um, we've been talking because uh, Hockey Night in Canada is in Owen Sound, and uh, I've worked with some people who tell me that the best fries in the OHL are at the Bay Shore in Owen Sound. Uh, confirm or deny that, Jason Bukula. I'm going to confirm that there Ooh. are some, and, and it's not only that they they. For an arena as small as it is at the Bayshore in a small community, their concessions there, it's top-notch, man. It's like a Blue Line Club on on fire. They, they do a great job there. All right across the board, but we'll go with the fries. But I, I have noticed the, the locals uh, enjoy their wobbly pops there as well, and they and they, oh, yeah. uh, they really they have a good time. So it's a great that's a great story on sound. Small communities in the CHL they need to survive, and that's a that's a great example. You mentioned uh, you're traveling through the boonies. Phone connection's been pretty good, but who are you going to scout? Which which small town are you off to to watch uh, some some players play? I'm actually taking the back roads up into Barrie right now, and I'm in the Toronto area for the weekend uh, before I fly out to Vancouver to the prospects, right? Prospects is uh, mm. Sammy Cosentino and I are going to be meeting with some of the prospects starting Tuesday morning, and the game is on Wednesday. Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, and then a week from next Thursday, uh, I'm going to come out with my, my own personal uh, uh, preliminary draft list for this upcoming draft. So looking forward to getting that published as well. Yeah, speaking of wobbly pops, Sam Cosentino is a good guy to uh, find on a weekend. Sammy's the best. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's a great. If you could get on the road of Peter Labardius and Sam Cosentino <laughs> for a week, let me tell you, it's pure entertainment. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. all right, oh, that 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 sounds like good times. Uh, Jason Bukala, sports and columnist, scout. Jason, let's do this again soon. Thanks for this. Have a great weekend, guys. Nice talking to you as always. There he is, Jason Bukala, um, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975 dining at 6060 memorial drive northeast takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344 is it like a coke recipe thing where like the two people who know the coke recipe aren't allowed to be on a plane at the same time oh really maybe like is that AFC a fact secret spices they're yeah. not allowed to be on at the same time yeah in case yeah wow wow are they allowed yeah. to be in like the same car at the same time uh my i probably not you don't want to do they that. They're not allowed. Room. Yeah, they're not allowed to be together. No. Yeah. Wild. They don't even know each other exists. Maybe. Wow. Maybe. That would be cool. Like Severance. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Um, you see that show on Apple yeah, Plus? Yeah, I, it I've was seen great. A little bit. I watched the first couple and then I, then I ducked out. You kind of got to stick around. I, for I guess because it. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little slow. Yeah, it's at the beginning. You uh, got to get hooked in by the mystery of it. Uh, real quick on fries before we get to Derek Wills. Sure, sure, sure. Um, 
the blind taste test for like the big chain French fries. Mm-hmm. Do you think you guys could decipher? Because Ross Tucker talked about this yesterday. I think I could because he was saying he was looping McDonald's fries into like Wendy's and Burger King, and McDonald's fries are like the one fry that is different than I've, absolutely everybody. I think I'd be able to do it. Yeah, I think I could do it too. I think I've had far too much fast food in my life. I yeah. think I'd be way too good at yeah, this. Yeah, because I feel like the Wendy's and Burger King fries are very, very similar. similar. I don't even know what Burger King fries are. We have like one Burger King here, and I never go because I don't. It's not high. Really? There's only one Burger. There's King? one by me up in Crowfoot. There's That's one the only down. one I know. Shaughnessy's of. got one, really? and I think yeah. there's there's there might be three or four, but like yeah, like there's not probably a lot of more Burger Popeyes King. at this point. Yeah, but there is a. We don't even have an Arby's in the city no. anymore. Uh, we don't. There is a Burger King bar one down at the airport, though. Burger Sh- King bar? Yeah, yeah. The airport's a lawless land. It's true. It's where our only uh, Chili's is. Oh, well, I've, at the airport. I've gotten absolutely blasted at that Chili's. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, we got one more segment to go for the week. Thankfully. Uh, <laughs> Mercifully. Uh, Derek Wills, the you. voice of the flames, uh, will join us. We still got a lot of business to attend to. Um, Bills to pay? Intern no, no. Oh. Our intern Noah uh, will join us. He'll tell us at the Australian Open. Australia. See how Canada did at the Aussie Open. Put another shrimp on the bob, eh? Sure. And then uh, we'll tell you what's too long to be in someone's bathroom. Dingo ate my baby. Stop it. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, coming to you live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio. Last segment of the week, Four Back Monday. I got a feeling uh, Monday's show is going to be interesting for the first time, probably, because uh, we're going we're gonna to do some <laughs> Johnny Goudreau stuff on Monday. Yeah. It, it Monday's game's gonna be, yeah, gonna be fun. I might stay the for the whole thing. Yeah, I might stay for the whole darn thing, George. And then and then go to the jackets room after. No, and be in the scrum. And then leave. No, oh, okay. No, I just want to watch the whole game. Okay. Um, somebody I know who will be there on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. For the whole game. Yeah, Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, will be on there. By the way, too, to wrap up the show, uh, Interno will have the Australian Open update. And uh, we'll ask you, how long is too long to be in someone's bathroom? Australia. Uh, but uh, Derek Wills joining us on the line here. Uh, sir, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm all right. How are you? Good. Are you over the Dolphins loss, or are you still a little sour? Why would you bring that up, George? <laughs> well, because we <laughs> talked about it last week, how we thought it was Seems a hopeless situation for your Dolphins, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they, they could have won that game. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I I did go into the game with no hope, maybe a little bit of hope, but next to no hope. Yep. And then it was 17 nothing, and I thought, yeah, this is pretty much exactly how I thought this game was going to go. And then they've got the lead. I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe they do have a chance. Nope. I mean, they did have a chance. Uh, really, they probably should have won that game. What cost them? Well, a couple of things. Uh, number one, they dressed a seventh-round rookie as their quarterback, their third-string guy in Skyler Thompson. Uh, but he, he was fine, even though he completed one-third of his passes. Yeah. Like he was 18 for 45 or there something. There were some drops, though, right? But I, there, there were some drops, for sure, um, which aren't on him. There was also some bad passes. But the biggest problem, and it was a problem all season, Mike McDaniel just doesn't get the play call in quick enough. And I don't know if it's the communication system with the guys upstairs and him to the quarterback or what it is. Vaping too much? I think they, I don't know, maybe. Um, But they took three 
three delay of game penalties. They burned, they had to burn four or five timeouts because they didn't get the play call in quick enough. And they snapped the ball with no time left on the play clock, uh, I don't know, a dozen times in the game. But mm-hmm. for, for you to do that on fourth and a foot at the 50-yard line with your season on the line, they got to fix that. I mean, it, it, it cost them their season because the chances are they at least kick a field goal to tie the game, if not win it with a touchdown uh, in the dying minutes. So disappointing way for the season to end, but at least they made a game of it, and uh, at least they're bringing Tua back. So uh, not all is lost. Uh, well, and now we're hearing whispers that maybe the Dolphins might be interested in Lamar Jackson. So who knows? No. What the <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Just saying. There's whispers out there. Well, A, he's not a free agent. Well, they'd have to trade for and him, B, yeah. Well, they'd have to trade for him. And why would you do that? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, well, people are saying, well, Tua can't stay healthy. When's the last time Lamar played? Yeah, but 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 again, I get what you're saying, but the difference in their injuries is Tua's could be career-threatening with the concussions, yeah, right? Yeah, but the, the doctors have told the Dolphins that he is uh, no more at risk uh, suffering a concussion next season than you or I. So okay. we'll have to wait and see if that's true, but that that's what the Dolphins told us, and that's what they've been told, so we'll see. I mean, to move on from a guy who led the league in passer rating doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, he's also had a cheap rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Lamar clearly wants a lot of money, and it's that's probably the biggest reason why he wasn't playing at the end of the season. Yeah, he was hurt, but it sounds like he probably could have played if he wanted to, but in his defense, he doesn't have a deal moving forward. So, you know, if he suffers uh, a career-ending injury, then he's kind of up the creek with no paddle. So, mm. uh, interesting times, yeah. What, what's your dream Super Bowl? Well, not that it's a dream because your Dolphins aren't involved, but who would you like to see now in the Super Bowl? <sighs> the Bills would be a good story with everything that happened with uh, DeMar Hamlin. They, they would be a good story, and, and they've got a really good team. The, the thing I worry about with the Bills is outside of Stephon Diggs, I'm not sure they really have another receiving threat. You know, they got a couple guys who can run the ball. they got a, a quarterback who can make something out of nothing in Josh Allen, although it's funny so, how some guys always get off the hook. I, I can't imagine... Uh, how much Tua would have been roasted if he had thrown two interceptions and uh, given up a forced fumble that led to a touchdown, which is exactly what Josh did mm-hmm. last Sunday. But he, he always seems to find a way. Uh, so I'd kind of like to see the Bills get there, although it's not going to be easy. The Bengals, I mean, you talk about receiving threats. They've got three of them, and, yeah. and Burrow's a heck of a player. Um, Mahomes doesn't seem to matter who he has to throw to or doesn't have to throw to. He always finds a way. And then in the NFC, the Cowboys looked good last week. Who knows if they will this week? They're so up and down. They're like a yo-yo. Um, and then the Eagles. No one's talking about the Eagles. And and that's the team everybody was talking about for a good chunk of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see if, if Jalen Hurts' uh, great regular season uh, leads to a great postseason. I'm not convinced that it will, but maybe it will. So... And then there's the 49ers. That's, I think the 49ers, if I had to pick a, my dream Super Bowl matchup would be Bill's 49ers because I mm. love the Brock Purdy story, which yeah. started against the Dolphins when Jimmy G got hurt. So uh, he, he's looked really good. And I know that they scheme up a lot and uh, that, that Shanahan system is really, really good. And they've got some great players. But he's been a fun story as uh, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, the last player taken in the, 
in the draft, so uh, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, what's more likely to happen tomorrow, Derek? The Jags keep it within the point spread of eight and a half points in Kansas City against the Chiefs, or Jacob Pelche makes his NHL debut? Jags. Okay. <laughs> I, I, All right. I mean, assuming Trevor Lawrence doesn't throw four first-half interceptions again. <laughs> Yeah. I feel bad for Logan Gordon and Chargers fans because as crushing as my Dolphins loss to the Bills was, can you imagine being a Chargers fan and being up 27 nothing, and then losing? I mean, ouch. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is, well, he was in the second half last week at least. Uh, I, I think he's a really good quarterback, and that first half was just an anomaly. Uh, I think they've got a fighting chance, I do. They've got a running game with Travis Etienne. Uh, they got a pretty good defense. It's going to be tough to go into Kansas City and win at Arrowhead, but you never know. Uh, as for Jacob Peltier, I wouldn't be surprised if he got into a game on this homestand, guys. I would be surprised if it was on Saturday uh, against the Lightning. Uh, hmm. They've been to the last three Stanley Cup finals. Uh, I think right now, because the Avalanche are a little bit banged up, the Lightning are a better team than they are. And we know that with young players, especially small young players, it takes a little bit of time for them to, to earn an opportunity with Daryl Sutter. And I do think that Jacob Peltier deserved to get called up. I, I think he does deserve to play in a game. I'm just not convinced it's going to be against the Lightning. But you got a couple of uh, less talented uh, opponents coming in to wrap up the homestand. So depending on how things go against the Lightning, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Flames make a lineup change. And uh, a guy like Adam Rzitska, who I, I think has really fallen off, mm -hmm. although... You go from healthy scratch and 10 to the first 11, right to the first line, and then right to the fourth line, and then from left wing to center. So, you know, he's, it's been an up and down season for him for sure, but regardless of what your role is, you have to find a way to play it effectively, and I don't think that he has of late, so I think he could use a, a game or two to get reset, uh, and that opens the door for Jacob Pelche to potentially come in. So, We'll see. I would be surprised if it was against a team as good as the Lightning. What about you guys? Yeah, I think we would be a little bit surprised to see it against the Lightning. That's been the general thought here. But at the same time, with the day off yesterday, there's some excitement towards seeing just what the lines uh, kind of look like at practice today at 10.30. We know Pat Steinberg will be right on it as soon as they do line rushes, and we're going to be dialed to uh, just see what they look like with the coach comes up with for yeah. today's session ahead of tomorrow's game. That is going to be a 1 o'clock start. The Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Calgary Flames. We're joined by Derek Wills, who of course will call that, and had the call of the Avalanche win over the Flames back on Wednesday. That one was tough, Derek. Um, of course, uh, was in the building for first 40, watched the whole entire thing, and the press conference after from Daryl Sutter, I thought one of the more key moments was when he said, sometimes it's better to lose 9-1 uh, after the team had lost 3-1. Did you feel like that was one of those games where maybe they, they felt a little bit better about themselves coming out after that comment? I, I don't know. I, I was intrigued by that part from the head coach after the game. Nope, I don't think they felt any better about themselves yeah. coming out of that game because that's, that's two in a row, guys. Uh, you go back to the end of the road trip. So you've got six of a possible eight points in the first four games, and you have an opportunity uh, with about a day and a half between games, so they should have been well-rested. Although, having talked to some people who were on that trip, I think it wore on them, that trip. Um, and I've talked to not just players, I've talked to, to some staff, I've talked to the broadcasters that were on that trip. Everybody still looks worn out from that trip. So uh, that is a perspective that I think is important to bring up. But 
in that game against the Stars, uh, you play two really good periods, you build a 6-1 lead, you take your foot off the gas, and you hold on for a 6-5 win. That happens. Fine, you got the two points, no problem. But I thought they should have learned a lesson uh, from that, and I thought they were going to start strong against the Predators in Nashville on Monday, and they didn't. Uh, they didn't play well for two periods in that game. And, yeah, they came on in the third. I think they had 21 shots on goal in the third period, and they made it interesting, but too little, too late. And then it happened again in game one of a four-game homestand. And really, no excuse from a mental perspective because you've got the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche coming in. You know you're going to have to play a good game against them, even though we found out uh, on Wednesday morning that they were going to be without Kale McCarr, the Noah's Trophy winner and Conn Smythe Trophy winner from last season. And they were without three of their top four defensemen, you could argue. But the Flames were flat uh, at the start of that hockey game. And I would say were certainly for the first period. I thought they were better mm. in the second and third periods, but still not good enough. And that led to a 4-1 loss. And the game was, I would say, probably closer than it could have been. Uh, and in the end, I understand where Daryl's coming from with his comment, because sometimes if you're going to lose, you're going to lose. A loss is a loss. There's, there's no style points for wins or style points for losses. So uh, sometimes when you get blown out, it's easier for the coaches to deliver their message to the players. Uh, they're a little bit more receptive to that. So I think that's what he meant by that. What is a more glaring issue, I'll say, uh, for this team? Do you think that they need a little bit more punch offensively to their forward group or a stabilization of the blue line um, with uh, maybe just uh, someone to come in and, and play with Nikita Zadorov on a little bit of a more of a consistent basis? Well, I'm greedy, so I want both. Okay, fair. But I really, I really like the Flames' top five in defense. I really like it. I think when, when they're at their best, their top five is as good as almost any team in the league. Uh, and, yes, they do need to add... Uh, top six, top nine winger. Uh, with the way that the, the Michael Backlund, Andrew Majapani, Blake Coleman line is playing, and I consider that to be the Flames' third line, um, and some nights it's their first line, and other nights it's their second line. Really, it depends on ice time, but I kind of look at, at Backlund as the third line center. With the way that line has played, uh, I wouldn't break them up anytime soon. So I, I think you're probably looking for a right winger to play with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto. And I know Huberto's been playing right wing on that line, and they've had Milan Lucic on the left side, but ideally I think you, you move Huberto back to his natural side, the left, and you find someone to play on the right side of that line. And, you know, for the most part, I think the, the line of Elias Lindholm, Dylan Dubé, and Tyler Toffoli's been pretty good as well. So there, there's that one spot there. And I actually think that Lucic has played pretty well on that line for the most part. Didn't like him against the Predators on Monday, but beyond that, I think he's been fine there. But I think in a perfect world, he's playing fourth-line minutes, not first, second, or third-line minutes. And if you need him to, to move up in the lineup short-term, he's a guy who has proven that he can do that. When he plays north-south, uh, he's a guy who can get to where he needs to go. Uh, he can still make plays. We've seen that now that he's playing with a little bit more confidence. But I still think you'd probably like to upgrade uh, uh, the winger on that cadre line. So I think the Flames are probably looking at both. And, and as far as the defense is concerned, guys, Michael Stone, for the most part, has given them pretty good minutes. The other night was a tough night for him. He took a couple of penalties. And you know I, I do think that 
Again, in a perfect world, and I'm not sure any team in this league has a perfect roster, there's probably at least one or two holes on the roster of every team in this league, but I think you'd love to add uh, a number six defenseman. So easier said than done, and uh, Brad Treloving works as hard as anybody in the league to, to try to figure out what's going on with the other 31 teams and, and how he can make his team better. So it's, uh, it's difficult. Uh, there's just not a lot of cap flexibility, and, and that's made it probably harder to make trades now than it's ever been. So we'll see what they do. I think they'll do something uh, before March 3rd. If I had to rank uh, th those two things in order of importance, I, I think adding a defenseman might be a, a higher priority for me right now than adding a forward because mm -hmm. I do think that they have some guys in the system who could potentially fill a role with Jacob Pelche being one of those guys. And that's why I want to see him. I want to see what they've got in him. Derek, what's Monday going to feel and sound like? Uh, I don't know. I, I had a better idea going into the game against the Panthers when Kachuk made his return than I do going into this game. And I had uh, the pleasure of calling Johnny Gaudreau's games for eight seasons, and it was a pleasure. I missed his first game. Peter Marr got to do that, uh, the last game of that 2013-2014 season. But you know, after that, I called every single game that he played as a member of the Flames, preseason, regular season, and postseason. And there were so many highlights, guys. I know for me, I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Johnny Gaudreau. I, I think he wanted to come back in a lot of ways. And ultimately... It wasn't a decision that just he had to make. It was a decision that him and his wife and family had to make. And they decided to, to go to free agency. But for me, it's going to bring back a lot of good memories. I think you, you could argue that he, has, he scored the biggest goal for this team since 2004. That goal that he scored in overtime of Game 7 in the first round against the Stars last season, it's a moment that I'll never, ever forget. And it would have been awesome if, if Johnny had signed long-term with the Flames, decided to go down a different path. I wonder if he's regretting that already as far as uh, hockey is concerned because uh, Johnny didn't always say it or even show it. But I, I do think that, that he really wants to win. He loves to win. And, and he's not going to do that anytime soon as a member of the Blue Jackets. So I think he'll get a warm reception. But... I don't know. It, it could depend on other factors, too, guys. Do the Flames beat the Lightning on Saturday? Or is everybody in a bad mood going into that game against the Blue Jackets on Monday? Well, what do you guys think is going to happen? I think it'll uh, be mixed a little bit, I, but I think there'll be more cheers than boos. I think there'll be a lot more boos, Derek. I think it's going to be hostile really? Monday night. I really do. I and agree. again, I'm, I'm new to the market. You guys know it a lot better. But even the Kachuk thing, uh, I think it was awesome how they gave him a nice little applause. And then they went right immediately to booing him when he touched the puck. I think it's going to be hostile. But he's easy to boo. Right. But I think it's going to be hostile on, on, on Monday. because And he's the first guy who had this domino effect on how the flames change in the offseason. His decision and, and the way he left. And it's not like he left for the Flyers or like the Rangers. He left for the Jackets. Like, the Jackets, out of all the teams, like, of all the irrelevant teams in the NHL, the Columbus Blue Jackets are near the top of that list. The Winnipeg of U.S.? That's what I mean. Like, it's not like he left for a high-profile team. He left for the Jackets. And the way he left, I think there's still a really sour taste in the mouths of the people who love this team and love this city and feel a little jilted still from how that all went down. I think it's going to be hostile. And I think there's going to be a lot of boos 
on Monday night. But at the same time, I think it's going to be really good theater. Yeah, I agree. And I, I am still convinced, guys, that if Johnny Gaudreau had known on the night of July 12th that the Blue Jackets were going to be his only option, he probably would have tried a little harder to convince everybody involved that he should stay with the Flames. Yeah. I, I really think his agent misread the market, and he thought there would be a long list of teams that were fighting to sign him. And if you watch that behind-the-scenes video the Blue Jackets put out on July 13th, when and I don't remember who the scout or management guy was that walked into the room that said, you guys aren't going to believe this, but Johnny Gaudreau is open to coming here. The look on Yarmo Kekalainen's face was priceless. Yeah, They were shocked that he was interested. But ultimately, the Flyers were out. Uh, the Devils, I don't know when they made the decision, but they were out. And those were the two teams that everybody thought were a natural fit for him. As a guy who was born in the state of New Jersey, but you know, right next to Philadelphia and grew up a Flyers fan, you know, Devils and Flyers were the two teams I was worried about. I never in a million years thought he would go to the Blue Jackets. Right. Why would he? But, you know, his wife is a nurse, and they've got a great children's hospital in Columbus. It's kind of a sleepy city, but a good place to bring up a family. I've talked to a lot of guys who, who played there, and that's what they told me. It's, it's not the most glamorous city. It's not Chicago or New York or Las Vegas or even Calgary. It's not, but a good place to raise a family. So I think a lot of factors went into the decision for Johnny Gaudreau. I wish he would have decided to return to the Flames. I wish he would have been able to convince his wife and his family to do that. It didn't happen, but you know that doesn't erase all of the great things that he did for this team as a player and for the city as a person for, for eight years. So uh, I, don't, I don't like the decision he ultimately made, but I, I still like the hockey player and, and the person. So I'm not going to be booing him, but uh, then again, I've got a microphone, so I can't. That would be awesome Give if you were, though, to. every time he was touching the puck, though, Derek. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And uh, Gaudreau picks the puck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. You, you know what? Turns it I, over. I actually, I actually think, if I was a fan, I would be more upset with Matthew Kachuk than Johnny Gaudreau. And I know that there are a lot of fans that feel the opposite way, but Matthew Kachuk was under contract for another year. And did he really do the Flames a favor by going to them and saying, "Hey, here's three teams I'm willing to be traded to"? Well. You know, ultimately, Brad Treleving, even though he was painted into a corner and his hands were tied behind his back, somehow, some way, found a way to get Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, and a first-round pick for Matthew Kachuk. I, I am still stunned he was able to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure Kachuk was doing the Flames any favors. I, I think, you know, he knew long-term he didn't want to be here, and... It was his chance to, to kind of orchestrate but, something and, and, a year earlier yeah. than he would have ha been able to. And again, being from the outside, and we, we really got to run here, about, but at least he was transparent about it. It seems like Johnny wasn't. That's the difference. Yeah, but a, a year ago, I, I think they were talking about a contract, and I'm not sure it was Gaudreau who decided, I don't want to do a deal. And, and the Flames say, well, they should have traded him. If, if he would have told them in the middle of the season, they could have traded him and got something back. Do you think the Flames who wound up running away and hiding with the Pacific Division were going to trade their best offensive player in the middle of the season, even right. if they knew he wasn't coming back? No There's chance. no chance. No chance. None. Derek Will is the voice of the Flames for Sportsnet 960. Enjoy tomorrow's game and enjoy the hostilities on Monday. Thanks for this, pal. <laughs>
Well, I hope they win tomorrow, and then uh, chances are things will be a little less hostile on Monday. Yeah. But uh, have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks, Derek. Uh, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. We're up against it here, but I had to tee it up. Uh, intern Noah, you ready? Uh, absolutely. The final Australian update of the week from our intern. We had a lot of fun with Noah here. Uh, Alex, hit the didgeridoo, please. All right, Noah, what do you got for us? How did Canada do down under? Dennis Shapovalov's tournament is officially done as he dropped his match against Hubert Hercaratz, three sets to two. Yeah, he was down two sets to love, uh, pushed it to a fifth, but then ultimately fell to the 10 seed Hercatch. And, but, but there is good news, right? There is absolutely some good news, and we still have hope on the men's side for the Canadians as Felix Auger Alassime is he almost advances to the round of 16 after defeating Argentina's Francisco Serendolo three sets to one? All right, good job. You nailed the Argentinian's name. It's Felix Oje Aliasim. Yes, I got you. FAA. Great job this week. FAA and El Great Chapo. job this week, Noah. Thanks for uh, sitting in with us. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, guys. Uh, and real quick here, too, before we go, I uh, talked about how long is too long in the bathroom. Apparently, there was a story going around social media yesterday that when Colts owner Jim Ursay came to the home of Josh McDaniels to talk about him being the potential head coach of the team in 2018. Apparently, Jim Ursay went to the bathroom and was in there for almost an hour. Like, that seems like a long time to be at in somebody's bathroom. I don't know what the time is, like, when you're going to somebody's yeah, house yeah, yeah. and how long, depending on what you need to do. But it certainly isn't an hour or nearly an hour to be in there. I think my favorite tweet that I saw in regards to this was uh, a screen grab from the Friends episode with the leather pants. Yeah. Where they're too tight. When Ross is trying to yeah. use Ross, the powder. Or, Ross has yeah. to use the powder to get them off and the entire thing's in a huge mess in the bathroom. That's exactly what I was... Th- that was my favorite tweet that I saw on this. Yeah. Or what about Dumb and Dumber, the, the yeah. bathroom scene? Uh, of course. Yeah. And and that's why Josh McDaniels ultimately didn't take the job because him and, and wi- him and his wife were really weirded out on what he was doing in the, in the, in, in the washroom. That's peculiar. Like, they're obviously... Like an hour. Yeah, no. Like, at what point do you knock on the, you knock okay? on the door and go, you, you okay in there, yep. bud? You need something? Especially because, like, I don't know, if I'm inviting someone over for an evening, like, you know, I'm expecting, like, a three- or four-hour thing, and then you got to get out of my house because mm-hmm. uh, you've you've been here for too long. Like, that's that's 25 yeah. to 30% of the entire stay in the home. What are you doing? Rummaging through my medicine yeah. cabinet? Are you brushing your teeth with my teeth? Toothbrush? Are you having a shower with my loofah? Get out of there. Yeah. Get out. That's super Stop weird. It. And now I know why he turn down the job, which is actually a very valid reason. Uh, that's it for us. Um, great job, everyone involved, I think. Uh, we'll be back think? Monday, I think. What does that mean? I don't know. I got... Uh, Monday's going to be a lot, a lot of juice on the show. Jackets in town, Johnny Goudreau playing. Monday's show is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll break down what happened in the NFL playoffs, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, Big Show Plus, Big Show 2.0, more Big Show straight ahead with Patrick and Alex. Uh, have a great weekend. Bye. Who day? Bye.